This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And I sure hope Dave Kelly in Waterloo, Iowa is tuned in tonight. I'm featuring one of his favorite shows, Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone, a reporter who covered the Nightbeat for the Chicago Star. He encountered criminals, eccentrics, and troubled souls. Listeners were invited to join Stone as he searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Most episodes lean toward suspense, crime, and thriller themes, but Nightbeat also featured occasional humorous or sentimental stories. Each episode ended with Stone at his desk as he finished typing a news story based on the latest exploits and shouting for the copy boy to deliver his story to an editor. Here's the episode, Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers. NBC presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in... Night Beat. This is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Tonight's story began more than a year ago, around 7 a.m. of a cold November. The city room was a wilderness of empty desks. There was a chill in the air. The radiators were knocking, but the heat wasn't coming in. Dawn dribbled down the main aisle like dirty dishwater. My desk lamp shone dismally on a cup of stale coffee and a chocolate donut, one bite missing. I was trying to finish my column and go home, but it was just one of those days. The words wouldn't come. I just sat there looking at the typewriter keys, hating them one and all from A through shift lock to ditto marks. And the drunk smiled sadly. Oh, nuts. That must be him all right, Jenny. I suppose so. I pictured a better-looking man. I looked up. The old guy was as twisted and gnarled as an old shillelagh. If you can picture a shillelagh in a seedy mail-order suit. The old gal was dressed in shapeless black crepe. Looked like something left over from a rather unsuccessful funeral. Um, yeah. You go right on with your chores. Mr. Crothers and I'll just stand around and gawk. (laughs) Yeah, you do that. Looks a lot easier than seeding an acre of barley, huh, Mr. Brothers? Yeah, but watch them fingers go. Like a bunch of beavers. Oh, beavers. <laughs> uh, uh, look. You are Randy Stone who covers the night beat? Mm-hmm. And you two, I presume, are the Livingstons. 
The Carruthers. Jenny and S.B. Carruthers of Borough Junction, Illinois. Well, I'm pleased to meet you. You know, I bet you we've got every last column you ever wrote, Mr. Stone. Pasted in our Chicago scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with Earl Cupsonet's column. And the writings of that dear Mr. O'Brien before that sweet soul passed on. All you people who write about Chicago. Ah. And now we're really here ourselves. Oh, it's like a dream come true. Fifty-five years we waited. Well, it doesn't seem that long, does it? Well... It's been fine seeing you. Now, if you'll excuse me. Yes, sir. Jen and I met at the Columbian Exhibition back in 1895. That's why we have such a warm spot in our heart for Chicago. She worked in a cigar factory up in East Chicago. That's what attracted me. <laughs> Had nicotine on her fingers. Figured she must be one of them bad girls you're always hearing about and never lucky enough to meet. Now, Mr. Crothers, you stop that. Oh, that fair was quite an extravaganza. Uh, of course, you heard about uh, Little Egypt, Mr. Stone. Oh, sure. Oh, no, you stopped that this minute, Mr. Crowley. Oh, she had it, Mr. Stone. That little lady had it. <laughs> Will you listen to this dried-up old man? If that just doesn't... Uh, uh, look, look, I'm sorry, but I, I've got to finish my work. Is there something you wanted? No. Well, uh, not exactly, that is. Not exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, we come off the train at 5.07 this morning and walked around a piece. All seems too strange, though. You know, the only place still standing is the hotel where Jen and I spent our honeymoon. But what a ruin that is today. And you registered there? No, no. Uh, uh, that's it. That's what we want to talk to you about. Uh, where's your luggage? Didn't bring any with us. Oh, I see. I know Jenny's pretty hungry and tired. Now, you're the one's hungry and tired. But I just couldn't go into any place and, well... I... Oh, yeah, sure, I I understand. Only the flattery about the column and the just folks talk, that, that wasn't necessary. Uh, here. Uh, this five-spot help? Stand up. Huh? Stand up or I'll smash you right where you are. V.J. Carruthers, you stop that. You tell him to stand up. All the blood's rushing to your head and that vein is standing out. Now you turn right around and start walking for those stairs. What is this? Mr. Carruthers, you hear me? I just want him to... Start walking. Oh. I'll be right with you. We didn't come here to beg, Mr. Stone. You coming, Jen? Be right with you, Mr. Joe Lewis. Well, it's not begging if you're hungry. We came here to see you... Well, because even if you never knew us, we've been reading about you for so long, we felt like you were an old friend. We just came by Come to... Come on, Jim. Yes. All right. Now, now, wait a minute. Oh, now, look. Stop. Will you stop? You just leave us alone. Now, Mr. Carruthers. Uh... Look, I, I'm tired and I'm irritable. I'm having trouble with my story. Uh, Jen and me, we never took a dime. We didn't work hard for it. I'm sorry. Mr. Carruthers' pride. It's the talk of the whole county. Yeah, I can see it would be. Only when you mention not eating and, and having no luggage... Hey, hey, look in this purse of mine. Now, stop that. I want him to look into it. Does this look like we need your $5? 2000 in traveler's checks oh. is all. 
Now, Mr. Carruthers, I don't like that, not one tiny bit. And I want to show him. That's just plain boasting. I just won't stand for it. But, Jim... You just better also tell him that it's the last red cent we have in the whole world, plus all the money from next year's crop advanced by the bank, plus $500 from a second mortgage on the property. Still don't need his $5. I told you, I'm sorry. Well, all right, then. Now, what are you going to do with all that money? We're going to make... A dream come true. A dream? We only had about $12 between us when we got married. Less than five, you boaster. Well, whatever it be. Let me tell him, will you? Well, just keep the facts straight. Ever since then, we always dreamed of coming back in style. If it couldn't be with the red carpet and all the trimmings. You just listen to that man. Now, it's true, and you know it. How many hours we spent just talking about what we do. Well... Only every time we got a few dollars ahead, well, something happened. Yes, if it wasn't the flood, it was the drought. And if it wasn't a dust storm... It was another baby on the way. Mr. Carruthers. Well, now we decided we're going to make that dream come true no matter what. Only we're a couple of old hayseeds and we need help. You know, a right clothes, the right hotel, the right restaurants. And, uh, and, and you want my advice? We did until you got so generous with five dollars... We still do, Mr. Stone. Well, I'd be very happy to help you. Well, thank you. Uh, Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. His voice had suddenly changed, and somehow the city room seemed to have grown much colder. I turned quickly to look at him. In the dim light, I saw something in those faded eyes that sent a trembling running through me. And then I looked again, and whatever I'd seen in the eyes wasn't there anymore. I decided that I was just tired, imagining things, and I let it go at that. They were a couple of sweet old characters, and I was going to do right by them. I poured enough coffee down my throat to push the cobwebs away, and then we started out on the town. First stop, of course, was... An exclusive dress shop for stylish matrons on Michigan Boulevard. That's where all the lovely mannequins come equipped with soft gray wigs and the indirect lighting and the specially designed mirrors were more than kind. Well, what do you think of this dress, Mr. Carruthers? Same as I thought of the others. Makes you look too old. Oh! Haven't they got something that shows a little of the foreleg? Foreleg is what horses have. Yeah, on a woman, the uh, word is calf. Well, whatever it is, I want to see it. (laughs) So you just tell a young lady to bring out something else. Well, break it to me gently. How do I look? Real nice, Mr. Crothers. (laughs) I feel like a fish. Uh, Let me peek in this mirror. He always does look so fine in blue, Mr. Stone. He just does wonders for his eyes. Yeah. Well, it's a mighty fine hotel, and I'm glad that Mr. Crothers is registering. But... Yeah, I know how you feel. $38 a day, it makes me a little weak in the knees. No, it's not that. I want us to have the very best of everything. It's not that at all. It's... It's just... Well? Yeah? We're country people, Mr. Stone. I don't know how to say it. Well, say what? 
I've been married to Mr. Crothers for 53 years. And in all that time, we've never slept apart. And I don't intend that we should start now. What? I've heard about these big city hotels with their twin beds. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about, honey. Not in the bridal suite. Well, after that, I gave Mr. Carruthers my telephone number should he need me, and then I staggered home for a couple hours of sleep. I was dead tired, but I wouldn't have traded this day for anything in the world. But then, just as I was about to doze off, all the warmth suddenly left me again, and again I heard what should have been just a nice bit of dialogue from a sweet old guy. Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. And for a moment, all the sleep was gone. I sat up, and when I tried to light a cigarette, my fingers trembled. And I didn't know why. During the next weeks, I got frequent calls from the Carruthers. They were having the time of their lives. They insisted I have at least one dinner with them, or their treat. We ate at the pump room where the... Prices can give you indigestion, but never, never the food. And then I could see that I wasn't the only one who'd fallen under the spell of Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers of Burroughs Junction, Illinois. The waiters, the busboys, the maitre d', the people at the other tables. There was love at first sight. And the evening ended in the great schmaltzy tradition with Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers dancing by themselves on the small floor. And when the dance was over, everybody was clapping and touching their napkins to their eyes. Then the farmer and his wife came back to the table, hand in hand. <laughs> oh, my head. Where's the man out? It's <laughs> hot in here. You better sit down before you fall over, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, kid, I could dance you into the floor. Kid, he's getting citified fast, huh, Mr. Stone? Yes, he sure is, kid. He sure, could dance you into the floor every night of the week and <laughs> twice on the 4th of July. <laughs> well, there's not going to be any more dancing. This is our last night. Oh? Money's all gone. Oh, but what a time we've had. <laughs> Got a lot more respect for money if it can bring us a month like this, eh, Jim? Oh, isn't it the truth? <laughs> we ought to drink a final toast, then. Ah, just about enough left. All right. You've got the floor, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, all right. Well, I can't think of anything real clever. Uh, let me see. Oh, I got a toast I learned at a stag when I was a growing boy. Now, Mr. Crothers... I wasn't going to use it, Jim. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, here's my toast. For every moment of our life together, I thank you, my dear. I went on about my work, checked in with the office at midnight as usual, and the girl at the switchboard had a message for me. Call Central Police Station and ask for Captain Barton. I put in the call, thinking, well, laddie, back to the old routine. Then the captain came on the phone. Yes, Stone, we got a torn jacket down here with your name and telephone number scribbled on a slip of paper in one of the pockets. Well, well, all my jackets are accounted for, Captain. I'm wearing it. No, this one belonged to an old fella around 70. Hmm? Dark blue, good material. Well, that, uh, 
It sounds like it belongs to Mr. Carruthers. How do you spell that name? Where can I get a hold of him right away? Wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast. What's up? Letty is up. Your Mr. Carruthers is on his way to commit murder. NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Before we begin Act Two of tonight's exciting adventure with Randy Stone, we'd like to pause and salute Station WKBH in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Today, Station WKBH celebrates the completion of 25 years of broadcasting to the residents of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. From the entire staff of Night Beat, Sincere congratulations to you, WKBH, on your silver anniversary. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Captain Barton sat on the edge of his desk while I examined the jacket. And across from him was a mournful-looking man with a fresh bandage plastered to his forehead. Barton stood up. Well? Yes, it's his. Uh... What's it all about? How'd he get torn? How did he get torn, he asks. Suppose you tell him, Mr. Hartman. What's to tell? He's strong for an old man like that. Well, he did farm work all his life. I could make a joke and say he sure plowed into me. Big joke. Mr. Hartman operates a pawn shop on Milwaukee Avenue. Well, what was he doing in your pawn shop? He was attracted by a revolver display I had in the window. Revolver display? Uh, particularly one Colt 32, price $35. Worth every penny. He tried to steal a gun? I didn't say that. He wanted to buy it. Okay. But he didn't have a license. So I told him to go down to the police department and get a license tomorrow. He said he didn't have the time. It had to be now. It had to be now? I said I was sorry with me. It's strictly legitimate. Then the roof fell in. An old man like that. That sure doesn't sound like the fellow I knew. Took the gun and started running for the door. Well, I grabbed him by the sleeve of his jacket here, and then whammo, he smacks the gun into my puss. Well, I hang on to the coat, it splits right down the middle, and he keeps running. Mm-hmm. That isn't the only item on your and Mr. Carruthers tonight, Stone. Uh, what do you mean? This statement here didn't add up until Mr. Hartman came in. You listen to this. A telephone report from the Ajax Drugstore, 1947 Wabash Avenue. Ernest J. Gorman, manager. The statement follows. At about 8.40 p.m. tonight, Gorman waited on an elderly man dressed in a dark blue suit. The man told Gorman he wished to purchase some poison. Poison? The man claimed he wanted poison to destroy rats, but Gorman's suspicion were aroused by the man's insistence on knowing the reaction of such poisons on the human body. The old guy's a real doozy. The man offered Gorman a hundred dollars. That's what he offered me, only I turned him down cold. I've been in business since 1900. Yeah. Uh, go on, Captain. A hundred dollars for a few capsules of poison. When Gorman refused, the man exclaimed, I won't let her suffer. I'll find some way. And disappeared before Gorman could stop him. Brother. So he doesn't need the poison. He has my $35 gun. Hey, where are you going? Uh, the phone. Operator, get me the Ambassador East Hotel... Fast, please. I don't know the number. It's an emergency. Is that where they're staying? Yes. You better get over there quick. Oh, I'll get on this intercom. Uh, Harry, have a car out in front right away. We'll be right oh, hello. Uh, I want to speak to Mr. Carruthers, room 1217. Yes, hurry, please. What's that? When? I see. Okay. Thank you. you can cancel that car, Captain. Huh? 
Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers checked out of the hotel three hours ago. Left no forwarding address. When I left the police station a little after 2 a.m., I really felt Jim Dandy. I tried to get back to work, but that was a lost cause. Trying to kill his wife, it, it didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. I recall the first time I'd seen them, the old guy shooting off his mouth about the Colombian Exposition of 1895, Little Egypt, and how changed everything was. And then I stopped dead in my tracks, that hotel that they'd stayed in back in 1895. I started running for the nearest phone booth. I woke up half a dozen people all over Chicago, local historians, hotel keepers. Finally, a sleepy voice fellow in charge of the Hotel Association of America gave me an answer. Must be the Gulliver House. Gulliver House. Hmm? Yeah, that's what you must mean. Built for the exposition. Uh, where is it? Well, let me try and clear my head. Uh, woke me up out of a sound sleep. Will you, will you please hurry? It's urgent. Uh, the 93rd Street. Yeah, it was considered very elegant when it was built. But now it's practically a flop house. <laughs> No, there wasn't much left of the Gulliver House early grandeur. The marble floors were cracked and stained. The oversized chandeliers were filled with cobwebs and burned-out bulbs that nobody bothered to replace. A flock of beat-up leather chairs, an open elevator in the corner like a birdcage waiting for a lost canary. Nobody around but a bearded guy snoozing on a couch. I went to the desk... The night clerk was in an alcove making a pot of coffee on a little gas plate. I banged the bell. I'll be right with you. Uh, an old couple named Carruthers check in here tonight. Carruthers? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, a couple of hours ago. Uh, room 412. Just let me finish measuring out this coffee now. Uh, take your time. I got all night. Hey, hey, where are you going? No, you wait till I call him. Don't you take that elevator. <laughs> The elevator was another relic of the Colombian Exposition. And for the sake of the older generation, I only hope Little Egypt had just half the vibrations. It seemed to move in all directions except up. Oh, come on, come on. What was I going to find in room 412? I didn't even want to think about it. By then, I'd reached the fourth floor. Through the iron grill work, I saw Mr. Carruthers standing in a faded bathrobe and holding a Colt revolver that would have looked much better in the hot shop window. Well, open the door and come on out. What have you done to Jenny? Clerk called up and told me you were on your way. That open door down the hall, that's your room? Stay right where you are, Mr. Stone. That must be the manager ringing for the elevator. What have you done to your wife? Keep your voice down, folks sleeping. Tell me. My nephew, Martin, that's my sister's boy. If he hadn't got out of medical school last June, uh, well, you know how it is. We wanted to give him a start. Figured it was time for a physical examination anyhow. Uh-huh. I guess uh, I ain't been to a doctor since maybe 1927 when I tore a ligament in my back. And Jenny, well, almost as long. Anyhow, poor Martin, after he examined us in July, he called me into his office and Said he was sorry that he ever become a doctor. Nice boy. He sure hated to tell me that Jenny had to die. 
die. One of them incurable things. Too late to do anything about it. No pain yet. Another couple of months for that. And then maybe two more months at the most. Oh, I wish he'd stop that. That's when you decided on the trip to Chicago? At least we did have that, huh? Forget everything but how happy we were. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I I decided that when the trip was over, well, I, I hadn't been able to do very much for Jenny. Maybe I could fix it so she, she wouldn't have to suffer. And so you got the gun, huh? That's right. Where are you going? Your room. I'm warning you, don't. Don't. You'll wake her up. What? Here's the gun. Take it. It hasn't been fired. Uh, I, I couldn't even do that for her. I sat there and I, I tried, but I, I couldn't even do that. I see. I can't help it. I, I'm selfish, I guess. I want every minute that I can have with her. I don't care how or why or anything. I... You better take that elevator down before he has a conniption. Yeah, I guess I'd better. Uh, Mr. Carruthers. Yes? Nothing. Give Jen my love. Goodbye. More than a year passed. I didn't forget the Carruthers, but I don't know. Life keeps piling up in front of you, and my memory of them kept being pushed farther and farther into the darkness. But early this evening, all the lights went on again. Fast. The paper sent me up to the Capitol at Springfield to cover a political story. I was driving back to Chicago the same day. Around 5 p.m., I saw that I was getting low on gas, and I'd better fill up the next town. And then I was passing the highway sign of the next town. Elevation, nil, population, even more so. But I forgot all about that when I saw the name of the place. Burroughs Junction. I stopped at the gas station only long enough to look through the thin phone book. And ten minutes later, I was parked in front of a rusty RFD mailbox with the name Carruthers stenciled on the side. The frame house was badly in need of paint. The pickup truck stood in the yard, balanced on blocks, its rear wheel missing. The steps were broken, an empty rocking chair groaned back and forth in the light wind as I crossed the warped porch. I knocked on the door, and after a while, a hall light went on, and someone was coming for the front door. What could I say to him? What could I tell him? And then the door was open. Mr. Stone. Oh, how nice to see you again. Mrs. Carruthers. Come in. Come on in. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, it's not much like the bridal suite at the Ambassador East now, is it, Mr. Stone? Let me look at you. Oh, you look fine. Well, I feel all right for an old lady. Oh, man, do I feel relieved. I thought that... Huh? Well, I... Well... A young doctor, I, I guess he's entitled to one mistake, especially this kind, huh? Oh, I see. Mr. Carruthers told you. Yeah. 
Well, my nephew and I, we played a trick on the mister. Huh? I guess it's hard for you to understand about taking that trip to Chicago. It just grew out of all proportions. I mean, it became, I guess the word is obsession. Is that the word? Yeah. Well, as time went on and all our plans for the trip fell through again and again. Well, in Mr. Crothers' mind, not taking the trip became like a sign of his defeat. You just listen to me talking like one of those psychiatrists or whatever they call them. Well, you're, you're talking fine. But for him, it was the one thing that made our life together incomplete. Like he'd failed me. Of course, that sure wasn't so. I had the most wonderful life with him that any woman. But men think different than women about what's important and what's not. Yeah. And if he'd known the real truth, he'd never have taken that trip. All he'd think about was providing for me. He was that way. He sure was. He passed on six months ago. Six months this October. What? Uh, my nephew and I, that was the trick, Mr. Stone. You see, it was Mr. Carruthers who had the sickness. <laughs> A fellow once wrote, when two people really love each other, there can never be a happy ending. Well, maybe, but, but I don't know. I sort of think if he could have seen the look of love in Mrs. Carruthers' eyes as she talked about Mr., and if he could have heard the pride in her voice, maybe he'd have changed his line just a bit. Maybe to make it read, when two people really love each other, there can never be an ending. Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Larry Marcus with music by Robert Armbruster. The part of Mrs. Carruthers was played by Jeanette Nolan. Ralph Moody was Mrs. Mr. Carruthers. Others featured were Ben Wright and Lou Krugman. Don Rickles speaking. Frank Lovejoy can currently be seen starring in Warner Brothers' Force of Arms. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater for the Mind. But first, a shameless plug for Movember 2020. I'm Frank Proctor, and I ask you to support me in my quest to raise some funds to help in men's health, whether that's with mental health or one of the various cancers that men are subjected to. So simply go to Movember Canada, enter my name, Frank Proctor, and then how much you'd like to donate. 
and I hope you will. (laughs) Thank you very much. Stay tuned. We've got Duffy's Tavern standing by next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meets eat. Archie, the genial manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. And how are you this lovely evening, my good man? Huh? No, I ain't got the pip. (laughs) But I got a new philosophy. Uh, You see, by being nice to others, I find it makes me happy. In other words, uh, do unto others, and you will find the blue beard of happiness yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And it wouldn't hurt you none to practice what I preach, Duffy. Well, like with your wife. uh, Don't just walk up to her and tell her she's a big, fat horse. Even if it's true. It'd be so much nicer to say, my dear, it ain't that you're so big. It's just that the house is so small. (laughs) Well, certainly, Duffy, don't forget, all men is cremated equal, and uh, they would like to be treated as such. Well, think it over. I'll call you back. I got some work here that I got to cheerfully do. Okay, uh, Eddie, uh, get me a pail of hot water and a mop, will you? That's right, you gonna take a bath? <laughs> no, I'm gonna mop up the place now. Uh, uh, let me get to work here. You? Going to work? Is it such a surprise? Well, up to now, it's been one of your hidden talents. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, that's all been changed, Eddie. I'm even gonna help you to do your work now. Hand me the mop. Okay, but don't get too close to me. Why not? Well, whatever you got, I don't want to catch it. <laughs> Look, how come you suddenly want to do my work? Eddie, just because a guy wants to help people, do you have to be suspicious? If the guy is you and the people is me, yes. <laughs> Eddie, I'll let you in on a secret. You see, I got a new philosophy. Considering others. You see, I've been taking an inventory of myself. Yeah? Yeah. How much you short? <laughs> Look, I'm serious. If a guy is going to be happy in this world, he's got to help thy neighbor. He's got to be sweet, kind, considerate, and polite, and courteous. Well, if you ask me... Shut up, I'm talking. <laughs> uh, I find uh, all you need to be happy is your, your health and a few good friends. Counting an awful lot on health, ain't you? <laughs> Why not? I just had a physical checkup from Dr. Conkle and... He said there was nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong, huh? Did he check your credit rating? <laughs> okay, Eddie. Slap me on the other cheek. You're still my friend. Now, please step aside while I mop the floor. I sure wish I had known a little while ago you was going to mop the floor. Why? I got to put up bleachers and charge admission. <laughs> oh, good evening, Miss Duffy. And how are you this evening? Why don't you keep your big mouth shut? <laughs> About what? About that advice that you gave Papa on the telephone. All I told him was to be nice to your mother. What was wrong with that? Plenty. In trying to be nice, he sneaked up behind Mama and put his arms around her. That's what started the trouble. Uh, how come? She hollered, Papa, come quick, there's a strange man in the house. <laughs> so, one word led to another, and Papa wound up with a cracked skull. Words can't crack a guy's skull. They can when they're in a 2,000-page dictionary. (laughs) You and your philosophy. What's wrong with philosophy? Remember, philosophy is 
is the one thing that makes man the superior, if not the equal of the beast. Oh, hello, Finnegan. What? I went down to the employment agency you sent me to. Uh, good. How'd you make out? Well, they asked me a lot of questions. They gave me a bunch of tests till I found out the thing that I was best suited for. Uh, what was that? Unemployment. <laughs> Finnegan, you, you can't make a career out of unemployment. Uh, maybe not, but it makes an awful nice sideline. <laughs> but uh, thanks for trying to help me, Yard. Well, Finnegan, your happiness is mine. Hiya, fellas. Oh, oh, Mr. Maroon. Hello, Joe. How's the wife and kids and Vitalis? Holy cow, I'm even being nice to a radio announcer. <laughs> uh, uh, Joe, I heard your program tonight. All right, we can do without the nasty cracks. No, Joe, I was... I know how your mind works. You were going to say, I heard your program under very unfavorable conditions. The radio was on. <laughs> Honest, Joe, that was the Aren't furthest... you sick and tired of your insults? Joe, I've changed. I, I was about to say, I think you're great. I, I even wrote a letter to the Vitalis people about you. Oh, trying to get me fired, huh? Not at all. Me letter told them what a nice, soft voice you have. I see. Trying to make them think I don't speak loud enough for people to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Joe, you got me wrong. I uh, even told them how all the customers here in the tavern really love you, you know? How we in the tavern are all great fans of yours. Oh, fine. Now they'll think all my friends are bums. <laughs> Look, Joe, you're making a mistake. I'm your pal. You see, I, I use Vitalis. Well, what do you want, a medal? Lloyd Mangrum uses Vitalis. Craig Wood uses it. Gene Sarazen uses it. Well, Joe, I, I just told you, I do, too. Oh, and I suppose you think you're as good a golfer as they are. <laughs> Joe, I didn't say that. No? No. So now I'm a liar. <laughs> Joe, I'm a friend of yours. You've got no right saying things like that. Now he's trying to tell me what I can say. Well, Joe... Listen, Arch, if I want to say the Vitalis 60-second workout helps stimulate the scalp and gives it a wonderful, refreshing, tingling sensation, and it also routes loose dandruff and helps check excessive falling hair, well, by George, I'm going to say it. Now, look, And Joe, if I want to say that Vitalis keeps your hair well-groomed, I'm going to say that, too. Joe, not so loud. You're annoying a customer. Oh, yeah? This is still a free country. I'd like to see you or anybody else stop me from saying that Vitalis tames down dry, hard-to-manage hair. Okay, Joe. Go ahead and say it if it makes you happy. Go right ahead and talk about Vitalis to your heart's content. Oh, so now you're trying to make me a blabbermouth. <laughs> Please, indulge yourself. Tell me about Vitalis. Go on, Joe. Please. I'm not talking. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Joe. Say something. Okay. Good night. <laughs> Dude. Thank goodness I got a philosophy. Look, Socrates. <laughs> you gonna go on being nice to people because you ain't gonna have a friend left. Yeah, it's beginning to look that way. Hello? Who's there? Oh, uh, Dr. Conkle's nurse? Oh, yeah, honey. Eddie, uh, there are a couple of things in the kitchen I'd like to get to get after. Yeah. A couple of things the kids would like to get after me. <laughs> Look, Eddie, I'm insinuating that I'd like a little privacy here. Oh, okay, friendly one. <laughs> get on it. 
Uh, <clears throat> pardon the interruption, honey. Oh. Oh, hello, Dr. Conkle. <laughs> uh, oh, doctor, did you get a report on me physical checkup? Uh, well, how am I? Huh? I'm a what? A hypochondriac? <laughs> no kidding. The worst case you've ever seen? Well, what can I do for it? Go up to the Catskills and get some peace and rest? But, uh, before I leave town, you, you want your money, huh? You'll give me three days? <clears throat> Just a minute, Miss Duffy. I'm talking to me doctor. Now, look, doctor. Huh? Well, how much time did you say I got? You'll only give me three days. Three days? Oh, poor Archie. Uh, look, uh, doc, you, you couldn't make that a week, could you? <laughs> no, huh? Well, you say three days. Three days it is. Thanks for calling. Archie, the doctor only gives you three days? Yeah, Miss Duffy, but I'd rather you didn't tell nobody about it, huh? Archie, it'll be our secret. You have my word as a woman. Thanks. Hello, Vera, did you hear about Archie? He only has three days to live. Yeah, yeah, three days. Oh, incidentally, I bought the darlingest hat yesterday. <laughs> Miss Moran, you hear about Mr. Archie? What? You only got two days to live. Colucci, did you hear about Archie? He only has one day to live. Uh, Eddie, did you hear about Archie? What? He's dead. <laughs> Just think, poor Archie dead. Well, that's life. <laughs> well, I suppose it's better to have lived and died than never to have died at all. Ah, uh, Eddie, I was just... Oh, hello, gang. I said hello. Well, why don't somebody say something? Hello, Miss Archie. Hello, Archie. Goodbye, Archie. I mean, <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, look, gang, I got some news for you. You see, I spoke to me doctor and... Well, it looks like I'm going on a little journey. What a beautiful way to put it. <laughs> Archie, I want you to know that we're going to miss you. Well, thanks, Miss Duffy, but I think it'll be a good thing to get away from the tavern. You know, kind of get close to the soil. <laughs> What's the matter? I think I'm pretty lucky. There ain't everybody that can go away at this time of the year. <laughs> Yeah, it is a nice season for it. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I thought you sort of were going away, dear. Oh, ain't that sweet? Lilies. <laughs> How do you feel, Archie? Well, not so bad considering, but uh, I'll be glad to get away. You know, the last couple of days I've had kind of a boxed-in feeling. <laughs> Well, naturally. Uh, look, fellas, if you'll excuse me, I ain't got much time and I got a lot of plans to make. I'm trying to figure out what place I should go to. <laughs> you got a choice? <laughs> sure, but I ain't quite decided yet. Uh, ain't that kind of decided for you? <laughs> not at all. I'm trying to figure out which place would be the least crowded. Oh. Hey, got a housing problem there, too. <laughs> sure. 
You know, them places do big business all year round. <laughs> uh, incidentally, gang, there'll be certain financial arrangements in connection with this little trip that, uh... uh financial arrangements? Yeah, you know, a guy like me likes to travel first class, you know, in a <laughs> private compartment. <laughs> in other words, I don't want a lot of other people piled in with me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially strangers. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I was wondering... Uh, uh, how much money you need? Well, it depends. I suppose I could cut expenses a little. Or... How? Well, I could go sitting up. <laughs> but it still takes a little going, you know. Yeah. Uh, excuse me a minute, Miss Art. Okay, Eddie. Look, Finnegan, Miss Duffy. Yeah. Uh, the man needs a little money for a funeral. I know what you're going to say, Eddie, and I think you're right. At a time like this, his friend should help him. Yeah. But when you think of it, he ain't been such a bad guy. Yeah, that's right. Besides, he might come back and put a curse on it. <laughs> hey, uh, look, uh, how much will the funeral cost? I don't know, but I put in a couple of dollars for the flowers. Yeah, and I'll put in a couple of dollars towards the undertaker. Well, I only got two bits, but at least it'll buy one of the handles. <laughs> okay, let's tell him the good yeah, news. Good uh, Mr. Archer. Uh, yes? Uh, well, uh, uh, what I want to say is, uh, sir, we, we, we got together a little sinking fund for you. <laughs> Gee, thanks, fellas. Yeah, so we'd like you to take this money. It ain't much, but at least it'll be enough to cover you part of the way. Gang, <laughs> you know, this quickens me to the hilt. I, I really don't know what to say. Certainly am going to miss you all. Hey, maybe you'd like to come along with me. Watch, well, there's a limit to friendship. <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, I want you to know I sure appreciate it. And another thing, I want you to know that I'm going to pay this money back. Every cent of it. When? As soon as I return. You coming back? Well, of course. Oh. Well, wrap three times on the table so we'll know it's you. Finnegan, what is all this nonsense? The way you people is acting, you think I was going to my grave. Eddie, shall we tell him? <laughs> yeah, but they're be diplomatic. They break it kind of gently. Oh, I'll be very gentle. The art, there's something we've been wanting to tell you. Yes, Finnegan? You're about to croak off. <laughs> what? That's right, Miss Arthur. Don't be ridiculous, Eddie. Gonna be a long time before they bury me. Maybe so, but for the next three days, don't lay down in your tuxedo. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's all this talk about dying? Miss Archie, we felt that we really ought to tell you. Well, certainly, everybody in the neighborhood knows that you're gonna die. That's right, Archie, and you can't disappoint them. <laughs> everybody in the neighborhood knows. How come I'm just finding out about it? Well, you know the old saying, the corpse is always the last one to know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hello? Oh. Wait a Who was that? Cavendish, the undertaker. <laughs> what do you want? Measurements. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Duffy, 
Are these guys on a level with this talk about me dying? Sorry, Archie, but it's true. Well, how long did they give me? Well, the smart money says three days. <laughs> three days? Oh, no, it can't be. You went for that physical checkup, didn't you? Well, sure. What did the doctor say? Well, nothing much. I spoke to him on the phone. He said I should get peace and rest. Hey, wait a minute. Did he say peace and rest or rest and peace? <laughs> There's another thing. No wonder he was in such a hurry to get his money. Eddie, this is terrible. The doctor must have told everybody but me. He probably won't spare your feelings. Well, how long did you say I got? Three days. Three days. Give me that phone. Who are you going to call? Peaches Latour to strip tease. I'm going to make a date for Saturday night. <laughs> a date with Peaches? Your last night on earth? Eddie, you leave the world the way you want, and I'll leave the way I want. <laughs> Hello, Peaches. Archie. Uh, what are you doing Saturday night? Well, I thought maybe you and me could go and have dinner and a uh, movie and maybe later on catch me funeral. <laughs> oh, oh, haven't you heard? But darling, the word is all over town. I'm dying by Saturday. <laughs> huh? So what about the date? You'd rather make it Sunday. <laughs> well, uh... Look, I'll try, but if I don't seem very affectionate, I hope you'll understand. <laughs> okay, Peaches, if I don't see you in the meantime, uh, maybe I'll see you up in the great beyond on that little runway in the sky. <laughs> okay, Peaches. Poor kid, she's sure gonna miss me. Look, hold on to me arm, will you, Finnegan? Sure. What's the matter, Ross? Oh, this, this pain. It's getting a lot worse. What pain? This disease of mine. What kind of a disease is it, Art? Do you know? Well, it's it's called a hypo something or other. <laughs> As I understand it, it's a rare disease not even known to man. In fact, the only time you ever run across it is in crossword puzzles. <laughs> I see. Nobody knows what it is, huh? Nope. For years, the Rockefeller Foundation has been working day and night trying to perfect it. Uh, <laughs> but they're still wandering in the dark. But, Arch, you study chemistry. Don't you even know what it is? Well, I have my personal theory. You see, uh, the way I figure it is, the, the blood, or as us chemists call it, the H2O... <laughs> Is uh, composed of two parts, you see. First, there's the red corpuscles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the white corpuscles, you see. <laughs> now, as we all know, uh, these red corpuscles uh, are rather prone to chase after the white corpuscles. Why? Well, it's uh, like the birds and the bees. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway... Uh, all this horsing around uh, tends to start, <laughs> to start an internal combustion in the bloodstream. Well, when this bloodstream reaches high tide, uh, it overflows into the elementary canal. <laughs> well, brother, once this happens, you're in trouble. Especially if it uh, catches you between the fibia and the tibia. <laughs> Oh, uh, ain't there no cure for it? 
Nope, I'm the first case to die from it. But it makes me feel that I haven't lived in vain, you know? At least I've been a guinea pig to humanity. Who knows? Someday people might scratch their tibias and say, Holy cat, I got the Archie Pox. <laughs> hey, hey, Arch, you're shaking. Yeah, I guess I am. Well, it looks like this is it. Guess I'm a little ahead of schedule. I wonder what I ought to do in these last few moments. Well, uh, Arch, your funeral is liable to be very fatiguing. Why don't you lay down and take a nap? <laughs> No, Finnegan, these last minutes, I, I want to be with me friends. Matty, the fiddle, please. Lay me down here, boys. Come on, gang. Form a circle. Gang, it ain't often that a man dies, but this is one of those sad occasions. And I want you to know that I'm going to miss you. Finnegan, old pal. Yeah. Soon, soon we'll be far apart. I'll be dead, and you'll be... Well, I guess we won't be too far. <laughs> Arch. Arch, please don't go. I have to, Finnegan. I've been called. Arch, uh, we've been good friends for a long time, right? Right, Clifton. Would you do me a favor? Certainly, old pal. Well, uh, I'd like your permission to... Well, why don't... Could I... Get to the point, old man. Could you what? Arch, could I have you stuffed? (laughs) No, Finnegan, I'm... Sorry, old man, but... I'd rather you remembered me just the way I am. <laughs> well, gang, I guess there's nothing left to be said. I... So I'd like to take this opportunity to bow out. <laughs> Miss Duffy, quick! Uh-huh. Get down to the corner, see if you can get Dr. Cox. Okay. Boys, I'm afraid this is goodbye. Bye, boy. Bye, Finnegan. Goodbye, Miss Archer. Bye, Eddie. Well, I guess this is it. Poor us. Gone. Oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> I think it'd be nice if, uh, before I go, somebody would say a few kind words over me remains. Well, I'll take a stab at it, though. Thanks, Finnegan. Well, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, Billy Beloved, uh, on this sad occasion, I want you to know Finnegan, I ain't got much time Don't be in such a rush On this occasion, I would like to drink a toast Thank you, Clifton To us Here's mud in your eyes What? I'm sorry, I say Well... All right, I understand. Well, boys, I'm getting weak about a moment. Better gather in a little closer. I, I want to save me breath for the death rattle. <laughs> well, so long, gang. Hello. 
Look, Duffy, don't bother me. I'm busy dying. <laughs> well, goodbye, Kang. Hold it, Arch. Here comes Miss Duffy with the doctor. Now, what is all this about? Where is the patient? Oh. Say, he is dead. No, I'm finished. <laughs> that's the corpse over there. <laughs> Let me feel his pulse. It's too late, Doc. I ain't got no pulse left. Uh, just, just a minute. Mm-hmm. Exactly what I thought. Archie, there's only one thing wrong with you. Why is it, Doc? You don't pay your bills. <laughs> you mean I'm alive? Of course. Not a thing in the world wrong with you. Finnegan, Eddie, did you hear that? I'm alive. Now, Archie, about my bill. Yeah. As I told you, I'm going to give you exactly three days to pay it. Three days to pay the bill? So that's what you were talking about on the telephone. I don't know what you're talking about. Quiet, Miss Duffy. Look, Doc, stop worrying. I got the dough. Here. Archie, that's the money we put up for the funeral. Yeah, if you ain't going to die, at least give us our dough back. (laughs) That's a trick. Now, just a minute, gang. Before you get mad, I, I wish you'd listen to the old philosopher. You know... It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you'll find that in giving, you yourselves have begat. (laughs) In other words, do unto others, and you will find the road to happiness. Ah, Drop dead. Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Vitalis for well-groomed hair and Truchet, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.